1: Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Autocard podcast, My Week in Cars, with me, Matt Pryor, and him, Steve Cropley. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Matt. How are you? Yeah, really good, mate. Yeah, really good. Over the next half hour or so... Steve and I are going to be expanding on our respective Autocar columns. Steve's is uh, a week in cars, and mine is testers' notes, which means this week we're going to be talking trials cars, electric rollers, worried heads, and much more, including your correspondence. Now, you can write to us at autocar.haymarket.com. Find us on all the social media channels if you do want to get in touch. And a man who might want to remain anonymous has done just this. So, Steve, you remember a couple of weeks ago I wrote about Britain's worst driven car? I do. Citroën Zara Picasso.
2: Thoroughly agree with you.
1: <laughs> well, I, I couldn't find any empirical data, but this Blake says, this is a conversation I have often at work in a busy, fast-fit MOT depot in southern England. The Zara Picasso ranks for us as the least well-maintained and cleaned vehicle currently in mainstream use. So that's starting to support.
2: You're on it, I, mate. I yeah, think. you're on yeah, exactly.
1: it. Previously, he says the title was owned by the Renault Scenic Mark One and 2. And I believe on current form, the next holder will be the Nissan Qashqai. <laughs> I like how you can see it coming, don't you? Yeah, that's <laughs> like fantastic. One. Yeah, It's not that they are bad cars. No, quite, absolutely. Just that owners run them on a shoestring and only fix something when it falls off. But it takes all sorts. Uh, one last anecdote, a colleague received a very nasty insect bite whilst MET testing a Picasso with a particular filthy interior. So there we go. Britain's worst maintained car, if not worst driven. But, I don't know, maybe it's both.
2: And that gentleman gets the mug. Which he is gets the mug.
1: Yeah, they've emerged. You've, have you seen one in the flesh?
2: I, no, no, I've not seen. I've seen a picture.
1: I've seen a picture. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so uh, I will write to him anonymously and uh, offer, a, offer a mug to him. So uh, let's talk your column, which starts the week with, I'm quite excited about this, Steve, your experience of some trials, Carl.
2: Yeah, I've got a bit matey with uh, Julian Fack, who's an uh, upteen uh, times British champion in sporting trials. These little cars that go up hillsides in impossible gradients and mud and God knows what. And he said, come down for a taster. So I did. Went to Long Compton in the Cotswolds. And there were 15 cars there, all owned by people who said, sure, have a go in my car. And such a, any of them. Yeah. Such nice, generous, straightforward people. Mm. I mean, we were doing whatever the car could do. You know, they're quite happy to see the thing driven at... What amounted to the limit,
1: yeah.
2: But are so capable, and and it's such fun, really, to messing around with this, these fiddle brakes. You know that that break individual rear wheels and steer the car. Right. You can actually turn left, while on the fiddle brakes, while turning right on the steering. It's oh, so. You know they oh, so. Oh, so the power will just go to the, yeah, other, the other the other wheel. Yeah, the 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 rear wheel braking is more powerful than the steering. It's really interesting.
1: And these are, are they based on. An existing model; these cars, or are they? There's a formula. Built? There's right. a
2: formula. They're very similar dimensions to an Austin Seven. Mm. Started in Austin Seven Land.
1: Because Ford did.
2: Yeah, they yeah. did. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, Ford Ten engines, and then nowadays they use Suzuki Vitara's and stuff like that. Oh, okay. There's one with an Imp. Mm. But, I mean, they look simple. But the but but the refinement over the last fifty years or something it just makes them all, it, not exactly sophisticated but really well developed. It's a it's a it's a lovely thing. And of course everybody's nice. There's yeah. a, there's no filthy commercialism at all. You know, uh, they wouldn't know how to sponsor anything. Yeah, and the and the the tracks vary all the time. So, but it is a it's a fantastic test of skill. You can either fail. Um, abjectly, or you can cover yourself in triumph, and the and the difference is, you know, it might be sort of six inches on a track, or oh, really? or how you hit the power, whether you do it a second before you should have that mm. kind
1: of stuff. So the manual gearboxes, aren't they? And then, so is there some clutch? Uh,
2: well, there are, is there, there is a gearbox, but you right. but you normally in one speed. You just you kind of select a ratio before you have a go at the hillside. Okay. Um, but they, the engines are amazingly flexible. They can still be pulling it. 800 500 rpm oh really they're really fantastic they run them on gas which is which is very interesting because it makes it seem like a diesel petrol engine you know mm. you know the very even idle and docility you get from a diesel at very low risk it's like that right really good great fun i'm gonna have another go
1: really are you now here's the next question i know you're thinking about buying a car for the festival of the Unexceptional. you are a man who has a limited number of v5s available to you Oh, is what? much you, don't need a V five for one of these. because no, they're not road could, legal, are they?
2: But I would no. They're not road registered, or at mm. least not in recent years. Delos and things were right, but um, no, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get it past the steering committee, and also I wouldn't have the garaging. Mm. So, I, but people share cars, you know. So okay. you can buy, a like they do with aeroplanes, you know, you okay. can buy a third or something and go there with your mates because you, the cars are two seaters. They're crude. Okay. So that you drive and some other person moves around the car trying to improve oh, oh, the distribution.
1: Really? Gotcha. Are they and they're lightweight, presumably? Are they very yes, light,
2: ultra light, Yeah, sort of. Um, I don't know, 400, 500 kilograms.
1: Oh, so little. Yeah.
2: So they they thing. go well. They a really go. All rear wheel well. drive. Is yeah. that the, part of the Got to be rear wheel drive. Yeah. They have to use the the, the the rubbishest tires available. No slippery dips allowed. Okay. So you've got to you've got to organize your own traction, mm. and if you that's the skill. It's great.
1: That sounds cool. Like a pure, one of the purest, I mean, I like that in, in terms of go-karting and other pure driving experiences. I, get, I think I get, there's I get a very
2: straightforward link with, go, with karting, mm. you know, good karting. Mm.
1: That's really cool. That's really cool. Actually, I did get a note from Julian. So next time you go, Steve, drop me a note. I might come If I can, I'll come along as well. He would like so you, I'd would you to go. love to have a go. I'd love to have a go. He, really he,
2: he said to me, "Do you think Matt Pryor ever got my letter?" And, oh and, uh, yes, I
1: know I did, and I was just very slack, unfortunately. Well, rubbish.
2: I reckon you'd be good at it. You should, you should give it a go.
1: I'd love to have a go. We'll do that. We'll definitely do that. And year round, you can do it as well. Presumably, do doesn't it. depend on, you know, a nice. If yeah. oh, you get a frosty track, which oh, puts mate. people off, that's happy days, isn't it? Presumably, yeah. You yeah. Just do it all, well, all that you have got like them that. this time. You, oh, you know,
2: really. for the first two hours, mm. some of the tracks were impassable. Anyway, some, it was
1: brilliant. I think you'd love it. I'll, I will try it. Some engineers do say that about uh, when they're developing SUVs, don't they? That you could mud no problem, gravel no problem, snow fine, whatever. Slippery grass nightmare. Nice, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. We've seen it, haven't we? I mean, I've seen the odd person go off a racing circuit where <laughs> you know where the grass is wet mm.
1: and just slide sort of unimpeded straight yeah. into the barriers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we talked about Bathurst last week, and that had been wet. Uh, the Bath of a Thousand Australian Supercars race, and that had been wet in the run-up to it, like, uh, astonishingly wet. I think Sydney and, and New South Wales has had astonishing levels of of rainfall, and any time somebody went off track, it was probably a safety car because they couldn't drive back on the circuit again. Yeah, it's they... so, so, so... Scary, is slippery. Yeah. it? must
2: be horrible just sitting there waiting for the...
1: <laughs> wait for the... Collision. Fund. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, moving on from there, you did that at the weekend, and then you went down to Rolls-Royce... Uh, did you go down to Goodwood to see them, or were yeah. they somewhere else?
2: Really liked it. The, it, it. I don't know what it is about that place. I mean, I think it is, I've always loved Goodwood, but mm. but it just gets more welcoming. I think it's because it develops and there's more stuff there, and the, the people really—I don't know—they occupy the place now. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it really is. It
1: must feel like home to them now, must not it? it?
2: It is the HQ. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. with the German-owned companies, you, you, there's a part of you that always thinks, "Well, they're doing the real stuff in." Munich or somewhere, but, mm. or, or, but I don't. I really don't think they are. There is engineering done out of the country, okay. but, but not. But the 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 company is most definitely steered from Goodwood. Mm.
1: And you saw the Spectre EV. I did. Spectre, Spectre, Spectre. What do you think?
2: <clears throat> I thought it was wonderful. It was. I mean, it was a. It, it, in a sense, it was a classic. I mean, a modern classic Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce first, EV second, and that was the sequence that they wanted us to see it in a very big car, 5.4 metres long, okay. but beautifully in proportion. You know how whenever you look at a big car, a really big car, particularly a two-door, two, two door, something's wrong. You know, the sill height's wrong or the, the door's not long enough or mm. the boot height's wrong or something like that. This car is in proportion. You could make it in at half the size and it would still look right. Okay, and Or, or double the size probably, but I was really impressed. I thought it I, I think they really know what they're doing, and of course they're first into this market by two years, beating Bentley by two years.
1: Oh, interesting. So when do we? When does the production one go on sale?
2: Next year, I believe. Oh,
1: so it is quite soon, imminent. Yeah. And 5.4 metres long. Is that longer than uh, Wraith and the?
2: Not longer. No, I think. Uh, well, I think it's about Wraith it's about length, isn't it? Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Proportionally, it's got a long
2: bonnet. Very long bonnet. Yeah. But but you you look at the bonnet and you say, gosh, that's a long bonnet, but then you stand back two further paces and it just works. Mm.
1: And is that is the bonnet length because they like the proportions? Yeah. They, w- I, I spoke
2: more. to the designer and he said we talked about having a short nose because mm. it was possible mm. and then we binned the idea because we need a long nose. And they you know they just you know how particularly they are about mounting the grill. Yeah. You know, on the right angle and mm. the right you know, getting the frontal, the the face of the car right, and of course they did all that. Mm. Does look great, I must say, but it doesn't. <clears throat> I mean, it sounds ridiculous to talk about a Rolls Royce as being restrained, but I, I really felt that it, there was a degree of restraint in this car. It was it's nice, interesting, isn't it? Really nice.
1: Because they talk about different owners for Phantom and Ghost yeah uh, saloons, don't they? They say a Phantom owner is very flamboyant, and extravagant, and don't mind the showy offiness and a. And a a ghost owner is slightly more reserved i mean i think you any, any rolls royce is slightly ostentatious yeah. i suppose but is this more at the refined restrained yeah. end than i mean i'm sure
2: there'll be owners who find a way to cover them in zebra stripes and have yeah. gold-plated wheels and all that stuff but but the car they showed us was was very nice indeed mm.
1: do they have expectations around sales figures or things like that yet or or not
2: uh, sales figures but reluctant to commit I think okay um because it's 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 a it's a sort of trajectory but they they've got you know inevitably lots of interest mm. um they did have 10 years ago they had the car called the 102 EX which oh yeah which sort of signaled the the advent of this car and they say they learned lessons from that car 10 years ago for this one oh really and they they were even saying that you know if you put a, a better battery in the in the prototype which they still have it would probably still hold up pretty well.
1: Oh really? Oh, that's interesting. It is. is yeah. interesting. And it strikes me that those luxury cars quite suit an EV Oh definitely. So quiet, yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. There was there's discussion. Apparently the story goes that there you can you're going to be able to have your Spectre with either a noise that you can select. Mm they're they're calling it a surprise they're not saying what it is it okay. doesn't sound like a manx Norton or a you know on a, a, a civic type r or anything like that. because
1: if they try and make it sound like a rolls it would still be pretty quiet quiet well, <laughs> yeah. but, but
2: apparently they just want something that is a little bit geared to to what might be the mm. the normal engine note or you can have complete silence yeah what would you go for
1: oh i don't know i'd probably try the noise for a few seconds and then can you select the same car? Presumably you can just go into the iDrive. Yeah, the just and you just configure it, And switch, think, it, switch yeah. it on and off. I think we drove uh, a BMW i4 M50i the other week. And that's got a thing called Iconic Sounds, which I think the music film score composer Hans Zimmer wrote. And you have it on for about 15 seconds and then turn it off, basically. You go, yeah. oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I'll just go without it.
2: I've always been sort of mesmerised by refinement, so mm. I, I would just... I would just have nothing.
1: I think I'd have nothing. Because I uh, the of all cars on sale, I think the music system and the audio quality in a Rolls Royce is better than any other car I drive, new car I drive. And I'm sure that's because you get rid of the rest of the noise. It's so quiet the rest of the time that actually the the environment to listen to music in is finally acceptable. Whereas most cars I just the the road noise, the wind noise it's a terrible environment to try and listen to yeah. music in, I think a yeah. hard music. So yeah, I think i would probably go for nothing and listen to Do
2: you remember when else? they were noisy? The, the you know the bad old days of Rolls-Royce when it was a fundamentally mismanaged company and they you could hear the body shell creaking oh, and the, okay. and the and the leather used to used to sort of you know do all that. <laughs> yeah. And the the salesman's line was it's the leather
1: working, sir. Oh, I like it. Yeah, excellent. Make and a the, virtue of it. Yeah. But they were
2: they were pretty grim then, weren't they? I got into terrible trouble with Rolls-Royce many years ago mm. for putting a Headline on a story which was labelled the Prince of Wales W H A L E S. Excellent. And um, didn't talk line. to me for two years.
1: That's a good headline, though. Isn't it? <laughs> worth it. Worth every. Worth every moment of the non-talking. Uh, yes. The, the, so the last time I drove a uh, Rolls, one of the instructors slash engineers or whatever said actually, these days in these days chauffeurs tend to feed the wheel through their hands because actually the noisiest thing inside a Rolls Royce is the steering wheel sliding through their palms. Otherwise. Which is I can a, believe a it. mark of how quiet they they are, really, isn't it? Yeah, and you do notice that if you, you know, if you, if we've I can remember noticing doing. it
2: in an S class, even that.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
2: It, it, it's uh, fancy having to drive quietly. Yeah, exactly. You know, to, so, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Wear softer shoes just in case. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. On the note of EVs, you uh, went after visiting Goodwood. You went into town and talked to some people uh, in the city about. And you've got some queries from people who are, well, concerned petrol heads, and those and those who just say, which EV should I get? Yeah,
2: well, you yeah, I mean, you all know about this too, mm. Matt, are not you? That the, the um, our life, the people we talk to, divide. I think nowadays between the people who 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 say, don't talk to me about EVs, I don't care. I, I'm, you know, I'm petrol till I die. And then there are the people who are are sort of in a. State of anxiety about needing to know more about electric cars because I'll have to buy one. Mm. And these people, who were great people, really, you know, um, or, you know, lots of readers, but they did divide in exactly this way. And there were, so, so I think that's what our life's going to be like for mm. a while. Mm. Uh, the, it'll be interesting to talk about. That. They wanted to talk about how the content of the magazine would change, if it would. But I think we're there. I think we're we're covering yeah. the new electric cars, but we are always going to have a solid component of
1: yeah, I think
2: so. I C E cars, don't mm. you?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I and mean, in the, in a way that we've always run new and used, and we've covered the whole market in in the way that I might write a Hyundai i ten group test one week and then go on Britain's Best Driver's Car, which is full of unobtainium the next week. Yeah. It just it, so it goes on, doesn't it? You know, I think we're in a fortunate position to an extent to yeah. be reporting on the most indes- interesting time in the
2: business. But I don't think we're going to force it beyond no, I don't think so. Beyond continuing to recognise that there'll be people who are interested in traditional cars, yeah. we, because yeah. we are interested in traditional well, cars, not. of course.
1: Yeah, yeah. and, there's, yeah, and there's, there's enough of both, aren't they? That's the other thing. It's not yeah. like there's a shortage of either one. And I get, I get, like you, I get friends and relatives saying, oh, can I, can I have an EV yet? Does it fit my existence yet? Will I have to buy one? And the you know, or do I have this? I bumped into a bloke the other day at an Instavolt charging station. Uh, clearly does all right for himself because he was charging his Q4 e-tron and he came out of the coffee shop and he spotted the car I was in, started chatting about it because I had a photographer with me. And he said, I've also got a 911 and what's it? And we're just thinking about whether we drive the Q4 e-tron to the south of France on holiday. Or whether we take the Porsche, and I was thinking, crikey, that is, that is an interesting challenge. I don't know if I would want to drive to the south of France, guaranteed, on an EV. I don't know how good the French fast charging network is on motorways and things like that.
2: Tesla drivers say it's okay, don't they?
1: Yeah, there's presumably a big supercharger network. Yeah. In France, as well especially as well. on the autoroutes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: But I, I, I'm the same. I, yeah. I, uh, I just don't like. Any threats to my progress?
1: No. I'll. We had a, a slight issue because so I've been up in North Wales this week, and uh, we have one of our staffers who uh, takes moving pictures, and he tried to come up in a in an EV, and uh, it developed a slight fault on the way. It wouldn't fast charge. Oh. So yeah, you can imagine the. Drama. So he
2: sat there for hours. It.
1: At... Oh, well, he sat there for hours, and eventually they've given him another car to go to go back in, basically, while they fix it because it's just turned into a complete. You know, palaver. Right. But, but, you know, I've, I've had an EV for six months, and if you can charge it home and you know where you're going, it's fine. you sort of have to plan your fueling a bit differently, don't you? Yeah. Colin Goodwin, our contributor who flies, says it, you sort of plan your route a bit like flying a plane. Yeah. You've got to make sure fuel's available where you're going. That's it. That's the thing. Yeah, But, yeah, I, I get it. I get the anxiety from people who think they're going to be forced down that route but don't think their life fits it yet. But the fact is, you don't have to get one, do you? No. And at some point, we'll all be, at some point, it will be fine.
2: Also, know. I think <clears throat> there are a lot of people who, who will have, you know, the leaf type car for going about in, short Hall and and the sort of ancient Benz estate sitting there ready to go to Scotland.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about this, haven't we? The separation between fun and white Indeed, goods. Yeah. And it's a bit of not that EVs can't be fun because they can. We proved yeah. it the other week that a lot of them are. A laugh actually. We recorded a podcast on this. I recorded a podcast while I was up in Wales with uh Matt Saunders and Ilya off the road test desk and James Tisdale about our EV handling test that we did the other week. And it's it's good, I think there's you know there's fun to be had, and manufacturers are getting to grips with it.
2: Does the weight get you?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. That's the the thing you notice more than anything else because it's we did it on track, but it's not a track test per se, it's a handling test. So the corners are what matters rather than putting a lap together and yeah it's the weight is one thing but also the way cars slow and how they go between uh regenerative braking and mechanical braking through the discs and it's that blending of the two that is that is weird sometimes some cars get it absolutely spot on weirdly fit but they're rare aren't
2: they there is a step somehow there
1: can be yeah and i wonder if actually it's the cars with the bigger motors which can give you more regenerative braking which find it the hardest because they try to stay in regenerative braking for quite a long time and then you get into the discs whereas on something like a fiat 500 electric you probably don't have to be braking so hard before the motor runs out of capacity and it has to start using the disc brakes so actually the brake feel on one of those is quite good the
2: weird bit though i find is that if you're in a car which is fully charged and mm. you go for the regen braking it doesn't it doesn't actually do it because the battery won't take the charge yeah exactly yeah that's the other weird which is thing. a very strange yeah that is situation. a strange thing yeah
1: that is a weird thing if you just come out of home first world problem there well it is yeah it is yeah Yeah, on the note of EVs, Gareth Lord, hello Gareth, you win a mug, uh, has written in to say, in last week's My Week in Cars podcast, you discussed configuration disease. Now, this is your problem, you have, Steve, the the obsessive compulsion to reflect on the details of the next imaginary car acquisition. So, uh, Gareth has it as well. In his case, um, he has had several BMW M cars in the past, and he needs a sporty car that is an estate because he had uh, a puppy in lockdown and it's now a dog. That needs to be a four-wheel drive because he lives at the foot of the Alps. So his two choices seem to be a, a BMW M3 Touring and a Porsche Taycan 4S Sport Turismo. So petrol or electric? Bloody hell. What would your choice be?
2: Oh, <clears throat> I'd probably go for the Porsche because I... I so respect that car. I have mm. had good experiences. I've I've driven just the two versions and I I loved them. And you know it doesn't seem to me to matter whether you go for an expensive one or a cheap one, they're, yeah. they're all quick, they're all lovely. Mm. So I think I would take my opportunity to own a Taycan, but yeah. That's and also I you know we've had this discussion about your other half approving and my missus the steering committee loves Taycans. Good cars, aren't they?
1: They feel like Porsche. That's the thing we came out uh, of this EV handling that's, The Taycan feels like a Porsche. Yeah, I think
2: yeah. that's such an achievement.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's not always the case. And actually, interesting, interesting point we made in this other podcast, though. It, the it does give some manufacturers, such as Kia, the opportunity to invent how their EVs should feel in a completely different manner to how their ICE cars. Yeah. So, uh,
2: sounds like an interesting piece of work. I'm, I, yeah, I haven't it's, actually. Has this been live for? Oh, uh, we've
1: we've we recorded as as I speak. We recorded it uh, after a day at Anglesey uh, on Tuesday, so we haven't edited it and put it out yet. I don't oh, know well, when I'm it's keen going to hear right, this because yeah, it's interesting. I think it's a. Isn't it funny chat. in our
2: racket? You you know you you're supposed to know a lot, but but you're always interested in what other people find out because mm. I you know you. Are we full of questions for this?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm, uh, James Disdale, who's our contributor, organised the test, and uh, he and Ilya, most of them, most of the road testers, wrote more of it than I did. So, but I'm a sort of interested observer in it. It's just fascinating yeah. stuff to get into. such get a new into territory. territory. Yeah, yeah. There's so much new territory anyway. It used to be so simple, didn't it? New car arrives, ten percent more powerful, ten percent lighter. No, ten percent heavier, sorry, but ten percent more e- efficient. Thirty percent more expensive. is that more expensive, <laughs> and that was it. And now it's you can't move for not knowing what's coming next. No, I think fascinating. Yeah, um, should we talk my pod? Uh, yeah, my pod, my column. Um, sort of on a related note to some of the old stuff that we're testing, some of the resto mods particularly. So the Q number plate always had, when I was growing up, the connotations of being a kit car somebody put it together in their shed, it gets a Q number plate, which is probably an O with a piece of tape to make it look like a Q. Yeah. Some ropey looking thing made out of Ford mechanicals and some bad carbon. Mar- back- marina back axle. Yeah, marina back axle with some bad uh, glass fibre you know, banged together.
2: I had a Westfield, early Westfield, just like that. I had, a,
1: plate. <laughs> I had a Westfield like that as well, yeah, which I liked. I thought it was really Me too. good. Me yeah. too. Sounds like I swiped it. No. Oh. Yeah. That's outrageous. I hope I didn't buy it.
2: <laughs> no was it black <laughs> no it was yellow but you know i wouldn't put it my kids the learned to drive in it we oh, were really? so sorry to lose it
1: yeah but it strikes me if you want to and if you want to avoid having a q plate on a um an, a, 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 on a kit car or a restored car or a heavily modified car um the q plate exists for cars which are of an un how do they put it an unknown age or provenance effectively they don't know if you don't know exactly what it is if you can't identify its exact age or whatever the DVLA when they give it a registration plate will give it a cue. now if you restore an old car or modify an old car you have to get up to eight points on the DVLA's system of five of those come from uh, the original unmodified chassis or a new unmodified chassis only one point comes from the engine two points come from the suspension two points come from the axles and I think a point comes from the transmission, but if you want to retain the original number plate, but if you modify a car too heavily, it will be given a an independent vehicle uh, inspection test, and it will be given a Q number plate instead. And it strikes me that some of these restored modified cars are so desperate to keep their original plate and identification because that improves the value of a car. Because if you're restoring an old Porsche or an old Ferrari or an old alpha or whatever it might be if you change too much and the dvla turns around and say well you've got to have a q plate on it now that also rather ruins its value provenance to an extent yeah, to. Absolutely. yeah whereas actually it might be a better engineered car if you accepted the q plate so i've got this old volkswagen beetle as you know in bar bug sort of spec it's got the original chassis it's yeah. got some body panels changed it's got the original engine it's got the original transmission it's got the original axles and steering so only the suspension the springs and dampers have changed So it scores twelve points off the scale, and it retains its identification. But if you changed, if if you made it better, if I made it better, it would get the Q. I mean, it's not worth anything anyway, so it doesn't matter if I had a Q. I wouldn't be destroying its used value, but I would be running around on a Q plate, and that would be better. That would be a good thing rather than a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could wear Q as a badge of pride. Yeah. As you Know in the James Bond form, Q is quartermaster with all, yeah, the yeah, bespoke, so all the gadgets, Q, all the Q, good stuff. Yeah, so Q is Q. distinction. Yeah, up the Q, Q is what for I'm saying. The... Yeah, is what I'm saying. Listen, I need
2: to see this car. I haven't, I was at your gaff the other day and I mm. failed to ask for a peep in your garage. You must and come up. I do love the, I, I, the Baja bug is, I don't know, it just gives me a lift every time I see one.
1: Yeah, I love them and I, do, I, I don't use it because it doesn't work properly, but I also can't face selling it because it's not. not worth enough as a car to sell i get more fun out of working on it even if it's not working per se they're just uh they're just cool they're yeah. just really cool now i need to see and when it when it does run it just Bring it in spreads it joy runs. yeah i will do yeah it just spreads joy wherever it goes when it when it does uh, the problem with it at the moment i think is carburetors and oh and new fuel which is hygroscopic. yeah and that has uh that has Cause some corrosion in a couple of bits in the in the car, which I have just replaced. So I'm hoping this weekend I might get it running.
2: What you just said is a theme we must explore in one of these mm. cars that spread joy, because because ah. there are I can absolutely see what you mean that Baja Bug spreads joy mm. definitely.
1: Oh, people smile everywhere you go. I only own cars at the moment where people wave at each other. So I've got a motorbike and all bikers nod to each other. I've got a Defender and the owners nod to each other. And when you're out in the in the bug any Volkswagen camper beetle anything like that they all give a big cheery cheery wave and stuff like that and it's the same with the caterham and stuff like that as well isn't it it's just Love it. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well uh, on a not unrelated note back to your column you've been talking to the parliamentary all party historic vehicles group
2: yeah it's um, sounds a bit august doesn't, it? doesn't but, it but there's a it's a group of about 100 people consists of businessmen MPs who like cars hmm. And hacks, and you know they're all invited by this, the the guy that gets it together, a guy called Sir Greg Knight, a Yorkshire MP, and they they just gently um, push the barrow of classic cars. And and the the featured artist the other night, apart from a, a very good hack who made a speech without notes, I was lost in admiration for him. Um, was Jacob Rees Mogg, who mm. who is, um, you know, got a bit of a polecat reputation as we know, but. Yeah. But his his ability to just stand up on his hind legs and talk about, you know, the lovely times he'd had in his two Bentleys, a T series and a thirty five Derby Bentley mm. and how he bought them and so on, was absolutely mesmerizing. And and the thing he said two things that I thought were really important. One was there isn't a single person in the Palace of Westminster that wants to harm the future of classic cars. Good. But we need we need groups like this to just gently put forward the case all the time. Mm. So Greg Knight is doing a damn good job. And the other thing he said, which I don't know is true or not, but I'd love to test. <laughs> Maybe you've got a black plate car, but he said, I believe that black plate number plates cannot be read by speed cameras. Oh. And um, it strikes me that somebody bold has to go and do 100 miles an hour. A... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not
1: gonna, well, I'm not sure I'm going to try that. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm prepared to try that. That's interesting, isn't it? It but is not it They always say... I don't know. Do you reckon that's true? Well, but 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 what I it may be true. My suspicion is that the, the camera would go off, and it can't automatically. Read Maybe you can't paint, read it, doesn't... but somebody will have a look at the photo and ah, will be able to read. It. That ah. would be my sus. Yeah, that's... that would be my bet. Yeah, but, but you're if, probably but, right. But hey, if anybody listening is prepared to give it a go and report to us, then we accept no responsibility <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> what? <laughs> for any of it. For any of it so you have to be a black plate car it's got to be pre something hasn't it 60s in it yeah. somewhere somewhere yeah i think my imp is black plated i think yeah it is yeah it is the beetle isn't have you got anything on a black no, nothing, what no, what no, a the plate? no nothing no no mine's a motorbike is that uh oh the, sorry
2: one? my my the douglas my 1913 yeah. douglas absolutely yeah.
1: yeah has that got a plate over the front yeah. wheel arch as well oh, not wheel arch what am i i say. yeah on, on the
2: front guard front yeah, yeah. Guard. but you, i don't yeah. think you had to have them but. Mm. I mean it's got precious little else hasn't even got a, it's got a two speed gearbox but no clutch
1: I was talking to you about this the other day it <clears> sounds <throat> bafflingly complicated well, right. it me is, the to go way.
2: from one side of town to the other is a is a terrifying experience cuz also got no brakes of course
1: <laughs> when you say no brakes rubbish brakes or, or literally very or... bad
2: brakes there are two separate brakes like yeah. sort of bicycle brakes that grab the the, the front rim but they mm. they're just not very good and with yeah. me on you know substantial personage on it you're a tall man. It takes, <laughs> yeah, tall for me. weight. <laughs> no, what is it? Short for me. Short for my
1: weight. <laughs> yeah. But no, gear, no, no gearbox. so No clutch.
2: No, no. There's a there's a two. Sorry, no, gearbox. No, not not, a, not no gearbox. There's a two speed gearbox. gearbox, but it's it's all directly geared to the pack axle by this big belt. Yeah. But to relieve load down the drive line, you pull the valve lifter up, and that sort of works as a clutch. Mm. And what you hope to do is go through an intersection with enough speed maintaining enough speed so that you can drop the valve lifter again and it will fire again. Right. But if you stall it, you have to sort of stop, select neutral, paddle oh, of away. Course. You know. of so course. It's, it can be you know, a half padd- an hour trip.
1: So paddling away, as in scoot it down the road and then yeah, Yeah, and then, it, and so and then just drop the valve lifter. It does kick over with a kickstart. No, too.
2: not a Douglas. Uh, plenty of them do, but not this one. It's a benign, it's a very interesting bike because it was my bike, 1913, when, was used as a practice bike for the TT in 1913. A oh. Practice bike, never yeah. raced. Mm-hmm. Went off to World War One. Finally registered for the road in 1922. Wow! Because because hundreds thousands of them went to World War One.
1: Right. As so as, as sc- dispatch, scout
2: dispatch riders' the, bike. see. So interesting good. machine. Yeah,
1: that's cool. Well, I want to see that if I come to yours. I, you must show me around the Crofting. Yeah, well, you have to need to never go. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> no, no,
2: it's all right. It's really? okay. You just. There's a wall at the end of my street, <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, so, so I will stop there at worst. But yeah, I was. Offered we'll a open a go. the gate. I was offered to go in some old Vauxhall. So I think uh What's a really early Vauxhall? Be about 1904, oh, four. something like that. Or yeah, oh, 03. Been bit, I think they may got... have been a bit later than that. I was taken down this road near Luton when the when the heritage fleet was based there. Quite a busy road between Luton and Wheatamstead. I think, and uh, no, Harpenden basically. And uh, the bloke from Vauxhall said, do you want to go? And I just thought, I mean, I do, but not here. Absolutely yeah. not here. No, I just
2: you, you need to be relieved of, of the obstacle problem. Yeah. And then you can settle into it. It's great fun getting these old things going, but scary if, if there's stuff around you. Yeah, that's what... Yeah, that's what You what know, get, get, get hit idea. by the postman or something. Oh, this. yeah, crikey.
1: Yeah. And then on the way back, fortunately on the way back, some bloke did, I presume, saw the vehicle, didn't occur to him that, you know, he thought it was some... Figment of his imagination to see a car like this driving down the road in Luton. Some bloke in a pickup truck just pulled directly across our path, and thankfully the driver was up to it. And I, yeah. would, I would have not known what was going on. I you suspect,
2: find this so. in a motorbike rallies. You, you know, you you're going along, putt, pat pat. Yeah. Some bloke with a family full of kids in a modern comes past oh. you. They all hang out of the car, phone picks and all that. And then he pulls in front of you, gets on the four-wheel, powered, disc brakes, ventilated. Yeah. And, of course, not realising that you haven't got you monkeys stop are stopping. No, exactly. So I've taken to the footpath plenty of times.
1: Oh, really? It's yeah. not that much fun. Well, I'll have a go on a very quiet spot. Next time we've got an airfield or something. Well, no, we've got we'll a fine thing
2: called a farm track. You can have a go oh, on perfect. It. Yeah, that'll do. Taught yeah, my kids to drive on it.
1: Oh, that sounds ideal. That sounds ideal. Uh, we are approaching time for this week, but um, time, I think, to talk about... Uh, nice thing Ford have done which is name a building this is in yours this yeah. is in my column yeah yeah name a building uh, at the Lommel test track Ford's very famous Lommel test track in Belgium which has got some fantastic driving routes and stuff like that and they've named it after Richard Perry Jones who died last year and was their global product development that's him vice yeah. president and you knew him well didn't you I
2: did well I think he, he, he knew us all well didn't he he was a he he knew the value of hacks, and he and he was a person that could talk freely. And mm. so we loved him, and he he saw, you know, that we could we could help with some of the projects that he was, underway uh, had underway. So, yeah, we all got on very well. Yeah. But he was he was a slightly terrifying driver. I don't know if you remember. He, he, uh, <laughs> well, I
1: never drove with him, but I've heard the stories. Yeah. He, um, he, somebody said he's crashed surprisingly little in the given given how fast he drove.
2: It was uh, you used to go to his house in Saffron Walden mm. early few prototypes positioned there and then you would set off through this route that he knew intimately and you didn't mm-hmm. and but you 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 were suddenly doing these warp speeds past people's bathroom windows you know at yeah. sort of half past seven in the morning and uh <clears throat> it was a it, concentration was required
1: yeah i can believe that but yeah.
2: but of course he 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 was responsible not only for the for the huge improvements to the to Fords, but he but also to making everybody else do it. Mm. You know, VW were appalled by the fact that they their cars were not as good as a Focus. Yeah. And well, that, the, one
1: of the Golfs was delayed, wasn't it? As they got a Focus, and then was it the four, Mark IV, maybe something like that? Late nineties, yeah. something like that. They got a they, they got yeah they got a Focus and went, oh crikey, we've got to get. This I remember Golf better. talking
2: to Ferdinand Piëch about this. You know, the mm. boss, the, the revered nine one seven blokey mm. at VW. He we were talking about Richard Parry Jones in a very rare interview, and he said. Yes, we tried to hire him, but he was paid more than me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, and I th- so there, I found a quote uh, when I was just writing about this earlier. And in 2000, he told the Society of Automotive Engineers in the States, he said, What our society wants us to do is invent the technology to make personal private transportation sustainable. 20 odd years ago. I mean, it couldn't be more true today, could it? Yeah, be?
2: no, not at all. He. Yeah, he was um, he was a remarkable bloke, wonderful.
1: Yeah, yeah. which pretty much brings us to uh, time. Thanks, Steve. We're back with episode eight next week. Good stuff. Looking forward to Approaching the end of the first series, unless we suddenly just somebody somebody. A do you think they'll go around again? Surely, well, got to at some point, have not they? Surely.
2: I suppose the mug supply does. Uh, does it? Does <laughs> it might do. Something. It'll
1: dwindle. We'll have to get some. I mean, more. if
2: there's if there's sort of five mugs to give away, then yeah, that'll you be, get. But if be all over.
1: Yeah. If there's a couple of hundred, then we we'll might survive. Yeah, because yeah, we. we'll have to get through it, won't we? Yeah. So thank you for joining us, and remember, you can write to us, autocar at taymarket.com. or we're on the socials if you want to send us letters. Uh, you can find us at autocar.co.uk. Um, Autocar is on YouTube or has an 800,000 subscriber channel. Uh, we're on um, digital subscription and the old fashioned stuff. We're in print every week as we have been since 1895. Cheers,
2: Steve. See you next week. See you, man.
0: <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable.